Well, hello, everybody. Welcome. How you doing? Hey, don't get so stressed out. Is the kid stressing you out? Is uh, traffic stressing you out? Maybe you got to answer all those text messages. I just want to go ahead and set the mood for a really nice and calm chat with my friend Lawson King, who is an excellent sculptor. He is my guest for today. Before we get to that, I'm going to talk a little bit about me. I'm coming upon a year since I've moved to Athens, Georgia. And within that time, I moved during a pandemic. Um, I remember moving into my apartment with a mattress on the floor and a bunch of boxes full of Ikea furniture. And I just was overwhelmed with loneliness and change and fear and doubt. And I felt incredibly depressed to the point where I couldn't just get up and, I don't, you know, work on the Ikea shelf. Just build the shelf and put books on it. You know, it's just one step, one step that gets you closer to where you are. You feel so overwhelmed. And here I am almost a year later and going, wow. It feels like everything that could have happened that would benefit me here in this town did. Now, I'm not just doing that just to toot my horn or anything. I'm just so happy and so thankful for, for my community. And, you know, I, I, I'm surrounded by really wonderful and encouraging friends. Um, I've, I've been playing with a great band. I've been more creative than ever and writing a lot of what I feel are some of my best songs. And, uh, you know, I've, I've started seeing somebody that I really care about. And I'm just like looking around and going, wow, Athens is home for me. And I'll tell you what, I, I went through a lot. I, I, I've done a lot of therapy. I've done um, so much exercise, just like so much running and yoga and lifting weights, just like fighting the demon daily, you know? So if you're fighting that demon, I would certainly suggest maybe going to do some therapy. Maybe if you don't exercise, start with a walk. Maybe limit your social media time and put your phone away and work on that thing that you really wanted to do. Dedicate an hour to it and see what happens when you get there. I think that there is so much space for doing what we actually want if we give it the time and the focus. By the way, welcome to Artworks, everyone. My name is Spencer Thomas, and if this is your first episode, I just went uh, a place for you to hear something different, and, and I hope that my story about what happened over this past year uh, is some consolation to maybe a struggle that you're feeling right now. Uh, maybe a hump that you feel like you can't quite get over. And 
I want to be there for that. You know, I want to help you out. Um, so if this really resonates with you, and maybe you just want some more reset resources to like get you motivated to do good stuff, um, holler at me. Artworkspodcast at gmail.com. You can also holler at the Instagram, Artworks Podcast. Um, I've recently switched to Red Circle, which is a platform that allows podcasts to be uploaded and streamed for free. Thank you, Red Circle. Thank you, Red Circle. I've been through a couple other platforms that uh, will cost an arm and a leg. And so this is a free way to do it. And also, they offer a way for you to donate. So, if you're loving the show, remember that this is a one-person operation. Uh, Here I am in my apartment that I'm about to move out of by the end of this week. And this is where everything has happened. I prepare all the interviews. I do all of the editing. Um, besides the intro and outro music, I add a lot of the in-between music that I just make up here at home. It's a, it's a lot of work. And honestly, that's why the episodes are coming kind of slow because it, it is so time consuming as much as I love interviewing my friends who are so talented and amazing and deserve a platform. Um, it takes a lot of time. So, you know, any donation that you can consider, whether it's a, the price of uh, a cup of coffee or, or maybe just uh, an inexpensive lunch, um, you know, 7 to $10 will go a long way for me. So please consider donating, you know, just every once in a while if you're feeling it. Lawson King is on the show today, everyone. And get ready to feel... So relaxed. Lawson and I are just talking at like a nice, smooth, low level. And we're talking about creativity. And we're talking about his sculptures. And, you know, some pretty tragic events behind some of the sculptures that he's created. And the connection with uh, a tragedy that happened in his family uh, very early in his life. We discuss the idea of control and what in our minds can we control, you know, and what isn't necessary to think about when we can't control it. It's so rich and very powerful, but it's quiet. So turn up and tune in to this conversation that I had back in mid-November, with my dear friend Lawson King. Uh, So where are you right now? Right now, I'm in Clarksdale downtown, sitting by the Sunflower River. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah? Is it cloudy over there today? No, it's really clear. Oh. And very sunny. It's really nice. It's a a gorgeous day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you living over in Clarksdale now? Yeah, I'm um, 
getting settled in. I just joined the a little artist collective over there, over here called uh, Pahoma Collective, and they have like living space and studio space, and um, they give you a job at the store. We run a store, um, so it's a it's a cool little spot. Man, that's great. I just had some brunch with a couple of friends of yours. You know Tiffany and Jake. Oh, yeah? Are they in Athens? Yeah, they're in Athens. What the fuck are they doing in Athens? <laughs> well, so they, they've... Uh, they got friends there, right? Yeah, they've known Lars and Will, who are good friends of mine, who, who play in the band with me. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and... Uh, they happened to be in town, and I was like, I know y'all. And Tiffany's like, yeah, we live in Cleveland. I've served you beer at Hey Joe's. And then I was like, well, that's funny, nice. because I'm about to talk to Lawson. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I just uh, had lasagna with him Wednesday. That's what they told me. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> I had seconds, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's killer, man. Um, well, I know you texted me earlier, and you you said you wanted to talk about some of the creative energy in Cleveland, and I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I want mm-hmm. you to take the reins on that one and tell me a little bit about what the creative energy is like in Cleveland right now. Uh, you mean right now, or I, I guess I particularly thought um, it would be. I was more interested in talking with you because, like, you know, we kind of, I mean, we met there and then we were both kind of uh, in college and figuring out our, 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 um, you know, ourselves as, as creatives. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, I would like to talk about, I guess, what it was and what I think it is now. Um, but yeah. So I think I first saw you um, at Joe's playing with Dandy and the Lions. That's right. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And then I found out it was your last show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. uh, And it was a good one, too. It was a good one. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, But I think that was like when I first started hanging around with uh, that kind of, you know, musicians crew, like DMI kids crew. Um, Because I had really didn't know many people there. But then, you know, it just opened up... uh, kind of a whole scene of of different musicians you know different creatives making different things and um it was really it was really encouraging you know that all your friends are making stuff and you know you're making stuff and you get feedback and um just that kind of environment is really conducive for uh for like you know rapid growth in, in a person at that at that stage in their career i guess and you know, I I just had such a great experience with the staff at Delta State. Um, I mean, the the teachers and all they were just really great. And the community. I mean, there's so many opportunities to play or show art or you know, everybody's really encouraging. But yeah, I mean, you know, how was that for you coming from the music side? I felt like in Cleveland, and what I've told people is, you could almost do whatever you wanted and there would be the the community was so small and uh was never overloaded with art um mm-hmm. because it because it was a small town 
So if you had something entirely new you wanted to share with the community, whatever um, kind of art it was. I mean, you know, we had um, we had people like uh, you know, like Argaflex doing the uh, doing the very analog um, mm-hmm. electronic music, and uh, you know, and then we had something like what I was doing in Dandy and the Lions, which was very folk driven, a lot of acoustic instruments. Um, there was just you could do whatever you want. There was so much response in that way in Cleveland, and I think that was um, something that really built me um in my time 2010 to 14 at delta state i feel like i played like every instrument you know at least once at at, 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 hey joe's uh that yeah probably probably i mean it was the it was the spot um and yeah man hey joe's a lot of fun yeah and i feel like uh I feel like I just saw so many different people um, express themselves in various ways, and you could almost take yourself outside of it for a second and go, "Wow, this is a tiny town in the middle of the Mississippi Delta." You almost forget that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the support. I mean, that was huge. Like, it's hard to it's hard to find your footing when you're starting out. You know, you're making stuff and you kind of experimenting and, and you're unsure like is this good like does this respect me like am I copying somebody else's work that I like too much but then like everybody there all the friends you know everybody everybody in town is really friendly you know and then just like when you put the art out there the support that you get you know even if it's not like I love it you know constructive criticism is great too you know um, but it it, it builds like trust, I think, like that sense of community and trust, like makes it feel like okay to do whatever I want, you know. Yeah, and you know that when you do leave that space and you go somewhere else, uh, continuing your art, you know, I have this whole community that supported me, so I know that I can bring this somewhere else, and there will be somebody else that will respond well to it. Yeah, that's important to remember. It's that I feel that because it's. Like when I'm putting sculpture up, you know, uh, I really don't know how other people look at it. It's pretty scary in a way, but it's like I'm putting a piece out in the public and, you know, I might see kids climbing on it or, you know, whatever. And there's nothing I can do. (laughs) But, you know, and then it's like, how do people receive it? You know, do people like it? Do they not? I mean, I guess I don't really care if they don't. But... You know, I, I bet it makes them think about something. That's if they notice it. That's if they're if they're not glued to their to their phone. You know. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you about the. Do you call the sculpture "Hold On, Let Go"? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about it? Y- yes, I want to talk about it. Go go ahead. I'd, I'd love. Well, I'd love to know what you think about it before I say anything. Well. I think it's so beautiful and simple and I know personally I struggle a lot with dividing or making the dividing line between what I can control and what I can't 
and how much mm-hmm. headspace I give the things that I can't control. Um, mm-hmm. It's amazing how many things you can knock out of your brain if you just ask, is this useful? Is this thought useful to me? And um, watching some of your videos and watch you watching you explain it uh, just made me think a lot about the the thin line between the two and i think that the the hand reaching up and the string is just kind of around the hand and so it's like it it's like holding onto the balloon is like within your grasp but he but he doesn't actually have it and so i'm like that's the line right there it shows mm-hmm. it shows this place of like control and no control all at the same time. And I, I, so I think you did a really beautiful job of showing that in such a, a simple form of symbolism. Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's, it, I really, uh, you know, think that just the, uh, like you say, you know, the, so much of our energy can be spent towards, you know, um, being frustrated or being, you know, upset about something that's out of our grasp or, you know, it could even be like, you know, other things. I mean, do I need to hold on to this? You know, it could be a relationship or it could be, you know, um, a job. Cause it is hard to know like when, when and when not to let go. But, you know, I guess, you know, just the balloon, the hand's not even touching the balloon. So it's like, do you really even have any control? You know, there's this space between the two. And I think that the the imagery of the hand and balloon and the bright colors, you know, people are like, oh, these are so happy and jolly, you know. And I I think they are visually happy, you know, because of those. And I I do that intentionally. But the... uh, it's kind of like, okay, this is how I cope with these situations. You know, I'll, I'll get through it with a smile or I'll get through it, you know, with a positive outlook. Yeah. I really like the color choices. I really like the, the yellow and the, and the blue of the hand. And uh, what color would you say the balloon itself is? It's, it's red. It's Just red. red, yeah. Um, yeah. Those bright colors give you a little sense of, of bliss with that lack of control. Right. It's sort of like it is what it is, but but also at the same time I I I try not to use that that term so loosely because you know because there is a lot in our lives that that uh you know a lot about our, our personal behaviors and the and, and the outcomes of things that we want to accomplish that we want to accomplish we can control but um i think it's just deciphering between the two and and just truly going okay this is the line of the things that i cannot control and i need to let go of that um i did want to ask you know this sculpture has become the symbolism of Reed Smith, a.k.a. Rod Smoth. Oh, yeah. It's become the symbolism of, of his music. It's on his record cover. It's on, you've created a t-shirt design for him. You've, you've 
created the artistic package of his music. Um, so was was the concept something that y'all collaborated on, or did you originally have the idea and then Reed talk to you about um, adding it with his music? That's a that's a really interesting question because I really like to think about that a lot, um, and I do think you know. That's funny, like nobody's ever asked me that, but um, I do think that this kind of body of work was born through me and Reed collaborating. Uh, because when I first uh, met Reed, you know, I met him, he was playing, he was, he was doing fives, and um, I really liked their music. I really liked, you know, him, I guess, so, you know, just as a musician, I just thought, I mean, I just think he's really great. And, uh, you know, so he liked my art, and so we were just really quick collaborators. And I did that um, second five album for him. The um, actually the hand in the balloon actually came after that, and uh, it was just something I had been noticing in my work a lot. Like it was in the background of my work. I would always put hands or or balloons, but not necessarily together. And uh, they would just show up and it was just two, two things, you know, you probably have something that just pops up in some of your songs that, you know, you kind of see in the background and then you notice it and then you want to, maybe you write a whole song about that, you know? Yeah. Um, cause I was thinking about that earlier when you, uh, we were talking about the simplicity of, of, of creating something simple, but beautiful. Like, you know, when you're writing a song, I mean, it's easy to make it really interesting, put a lot of changes in it, make it really exciting. But, like, it's really hard to make a really simple, clean, and captivating, you know, song. Oh, absolutely. I really like clean stuff. And, you know, you, you go to, uh, you know, I was just up in Detroit, and uh, if you go to Eastern Market, there's just a ton of murals. And they all look really great, but they're all just, like, super busy. And there's just, like, so much going on. And I just really personally like the more simple uh kind of man not minimalist but more simple yeah that's uh, that's an interesting thought um i've always wanted to keep my songs it, you know wrapped up in that realm of just mm-hmm. let's let's keep it simple let me say what i need to say and then we'll you know here's a little melody here we'll make sure that it's accented and then we'll and then we'll cruise our way out you know i, mm-hmm. I don't like i don't like huge busy changes i i, I don't like uh, massive amounts of instrumentation that are weaving in and out of each other. I mean, if it is going to be big, I want it to be making, I want them to all be pushing towards the same statement. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, like, when I was making my record, we wanted, we my talked company, a company, man. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sim- simple. Yeah. But that that was the concept. We were, like, broad strokes. Uh-huh. You know, any anything that we add, we want to make sure that's a big, clean line across the page. So I'd say that in our separate artistic fields, we we connect on the same things. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting to think about. Um, but yeah, like like the whole. So to go back to the read question, I guess I kind of abandoned that. Yeah, it just came about, and I, we we had been talking a lot about what his what his uh, music and on the album was going to be about, and 
you know, just we were talking about growth a lot. We were talking about difficult situations. We were talking about relationships. And it kind of was born in that. And uh, so I was really happy, you know, to uh, share it with Reed and his work and to be, to be a, you know, image, a, a visual for, for the songs that he makes that I really love. Yeah. And his songs are so simple, too. I, I think that, you know, going from Fods, which was a great rock and roll band, you know, a lot of like dueling electric guitars. It was heavy. It was, it was more, it was more complicated. And then when he went back and and uh, just working on these very simple, um, I think it's like nuanced. There's like a there's like a really kind of a, um, a methodical like you know nuance in it. Yeah, it it's all his own. It really is. You know, Reed has a really unique voice. He has a really unique writing style, and, and I think that um, what you do with the with the hold on, let go, hand and balloon. I mean, that's that is a great symbol for his his release and, and the sound that he has. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing it. I was about to just cry earlier today because you know you had sent me these these videos and I was and I was watching the video um about the the broken arrow which mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you've spoken so much about um uh you know it's I remember the day that I heard about the the shooting that was on the Delta State campus and it it honestly it, it terrified me, you know. And I was and I was texting my friends, and I was so I was just taken aback because, uh, like you said, in in the video, that you just don't think that that would happen to you, you know. Even even when there was a time pre COVID. You know, we were almost numb to the idea of of shootings in schools. Uh, it it was in it was in our news cycles all the time to the point where we almost didn't think anything of it anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Which which is a scary reality, but um, I think that was a really beautiful piece that you have right there in downtown Cleveland. Um, the broken arrow. I think the rope is such a great detail. Did you? Have a personal relationship with uh, Ethan Schmidt, who was the victim in the shooting. Um, actually, I didn't know him, um, but as I got more uh, invested, I guess, in the project, I realized that I had talked with his wife. His wife was a uh, kindergarten teacher. Yeah. And um, I taught in her school. I taught art in her school uh, for a semester or two. And, um, you know, I remembered her because she was really sweet. She's really a sweet, lovely person. And um, I saw a photo of them together and, you know, just, and I saw their three kids and it was just a lot um, of connections. Well, yeah, that was really heavy, man. Um, I think that really inspired me in a major way to to make some stuff, you know, and make some big stuff and, and be ambitious 
because you know you never know man you never know when you're gonna get in a car wreck or something like that this is just tragic uh something like that happened and it affected so you know the whole school was on lockdown i mean that was it was a it was a traumatic experience so i think just you know making that uh work was cathartic for me even you know just to kind of exert some of that energy that that i received from that uh experience but yeah and then just the response i mean people like his family calls calls the sculpture ethan you know um which just gives me chills whenever i even think about that that they they identified this object that i made with you know somebody some a family member a loved one you know it's just showed me i guess the capabilities of of creating something you know yeah and uh do you feel like in some ways because you saw a man who was a was a victim of a shooting and left behind young kids and you saw that connection with your father um, because you were very young when he died um do you feel like making this sculpture was also working through something for you personally? Hmm. You know, um, that's really funny. I really, I've never thought about that, but yeah. I mean, I thought, I've made the connection, but I've never thought, I guess I've never like literally thought of it as, um, you know, self, self maintenance, I guess, or, or not self maintenance, but you know, working on myself. Um, but yeah, thank you for uh, saying that. Cause that's, uh, I don't know. Makes me feel, makes me feel a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I watched the videos and I was like, well, I just hope I don't ask the same damn thing that other people ask. That's all. No, no, nobody's. Yeah. No, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, which by the way, you sent me. Uh, I just wanted to vocalize about the short video that you sent me of your dad uh, DJing in Greenville, and um, mm-hmm. and and you know I saw him walking out and holding the door open for your mom, and they were getting in the car. Yeah. That was I. I just saw him. I was like, wow, what a what a cool guy. How um, how does that make you feel to watch that video? Um, I think it. Uh it makes me very thankful that I have a video, first of all, I guess. Um, because I really, you know, don't... I was three years old when he was killed, so I really have um, no recollection. And uh, to to have a visual like that, to hear his voice, you know, uh, to see how he carried himself is just really interesting. And uh, it's kind of... It's kind of... Uh, you know, I've been, think, I've, I've been thinking about serendipity a lot. Uh, or, you know, over the past uh, probably four or five years or six years, but just, you know, things happening when they should and, you know, uh, you know, that I just like, I always feel like he's with me, you know, um, little things happen. Like when I did the interview with the uh, Mississippi uh, Public Broadcast and the interviewer's name is Larry and, you know, it's, and then it aired on his death date, and 
you know, he was on the radio and it was, you know, that was a really kind of special and warming thing. But it's like really interesting because I've had my aunts and uncles tell me like, you know, how much I like him or, um, you know, stuff like that, which is interesting because I you know, feel like I didn't know him, but I, but I am him, you know? Oh, wow. You know, as we get older and I mean, and I, I have a good relationship with my father and he's, he's still alive. Um, uh, he's in his, in his mid sixties and, and as I get older, I, I'll say things or I'll act a certain way or, you know, mannerisms. I'll be like, oh, God, it's just like my dad. And, uh, yeah. and sometimes I have this moment where it's, it, it's, it's a bit of a re- resistance for a second where you're like, oh, God, that's just like what my dad would say. But then I realize I'm like, yeah. well, you know, like this was, this was the person that influenced me. Um, this was the uh-huh. this was the, the the male figure that I had around in my life, which I'm I'm so thankful for. You know, to have to have someone to to watch and to to build my own personality uh, off of. But mm-hmm. I think that's really amazing to hear that even without uh, really any memories of your dad, people in your family still talk about how how much you you act like him and how all these pieces of his personality are still within you uh that's so amazing to hear it, it, it's uh yeah it's special man it's uh it's special 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 teaching children affected the way that you create? Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to just just uh, not say anything there. <laughs> I was just thinking about it. That was good. That was, I like that. Um, I like that conversation. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> we can keep going. Teaching kids. Um, it's all good. We I think we said a lot of good things, and I, and I think that... Uh, I'm I'm happy with you know what was said and you, you know I'm happy with it. Cool. Thanks for talking about it with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, teaching kids, man, I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoy it. I guess I started back recently, but I'm kind of nervous because of the pandemic. But um, so yeah, kids. Um, I really thought that uh, sense of disregard for you know rules and all or, or uh and just freedom to make a mark and not think twice about it you know when i give you a, a marker or crayons and this kid just you know draws something really interesting and free and it really 
in the first few years I was teaching really inspired a lot of my work. And it still does, you know, I, I really like simple kind of playful imagery because I like that kind of uh, childlike uh, feeling. But they, they don't have all these years of societal pressures or, or uh, what do they call it, group mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just really individual. And each kid is so different. And each kid is is uh, really good at expressing that, you know, up until a certain age. Um, but it was really inspiring. Um, and it still is. Uh, kids are really excited to create stuff, and they don't even know why. <laughs> I mean, we don't even know why, do we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we don't even know why, but uh, I really love that. I have found that um, in a perspective of songwriting, I have to kind of tap into that kid-like, let's just go, let's just create. Um, You know, you really have to tap into that childlike energy just to get the idea out on the page. And then after you release all of that, then you can go into your editor brain and then you can start shaping it into what, what is really working. Um, mm-hmm. and you need both parts, but you don't need them both working together at the same time, or you will just constantly, you'll try to, you'll, you'll be constantly interrupting your own flow. Um, mm-hmm. and so do you feel, do you feel a similar way when you're drawing or, or designing something for a sculpture? I really like how you said that there. Um, that was really nice. Because I think I'm, I'm going to talk about that for just a second. Uh, yeah, I think that that is something that a lot of creatives struggle with. You know, it's like you have this rigid structure of like how you know, like this is how to make good blank. You know, this is how to make this music or this art good. But then you know you can't really be free if you're if you're just allowing that side to uh, run the whole show. You know. Um, and it's really hard to get into either mode, you know, and I don't think that, I mean, with practice, you know, it gets easier and easier, you know, you figure out exercises and routines that, um, get you in your, in your mode better. You know, I find like my inspiration or or my kind of flow, like when I, when I really feel good about a flow, it's kind it's not, it's kind of rare. Um, you know, it might happen like three or four times a month when I feel really, really good about what I'm working on. Um, but the rest of the time, it's a little bit more uh, thought out, I guess, you know? I really like when I get into a flow and I can just stop thinking about stuff and still really like what I'm making. But that it's it's more rare. So, you know, it's just about practice. I need to, need to do that more. But um, you know what I mean? Do you do that when, you, when you're songwriting? I mean, how's your... How's your uh, creative process go? Uh, I was actually talking about this with uh, with Schaefer Yana the other day. Um, I feel like I usually write um, two, either like two ideas or two sort of throwaway or like okay songs, and then and then a really good one will hit me, and that comes with the concept. I can't remember quite where I heard this. I think. I think somebody may have actually quoted Ed Sheeran on this when it comes to the songwriting process, but 
It's like when you go to a cabin and you turn on the faucet in this old cabin that hasn't been used in a while and the water's all dirty and brown and uh, and once you let it flow for a little while, it becomes clear again. And I think that's that's the concept I try to apply to my creative process. Now, granted, I haven't been making as much of a routine out of it as of late, uh, but when you just allow it to flow, regardless of outcome, then when the really good idea comes flowing through, you're already prepared. You you're already mm-hmm. in this you're already in this flow state, so you can just catch it and just and ride that idea through. Do you like to listen to like I mean, what do you like to do? Do you like to like uh, listen to music or go outside or listen to I mean, what do you when you're writing? I'm curious. I guess I've never asked these questions. Uh, How do you write music? Like, what's your surrounding like? Uh, I always feel like if I have a title, I have a song. I'll give you an example. So recently I wrote this song called Fake Rain, and I loved the title so much because I was thinking about how a lot of the time in the first couple months I was living here in Athens, I would turn on, you know, one of those like nature sounds sort of apps that I had, and I would throw it onto my speaker, and I would listen to the sound of rain um, before going to sleep. And and I was like... Mm -hmm fake rain and I said that to myself before I was going to sleep and I was like fake rain oh fuck that's a good title and then just instantly I was like I have to I have to write stuff down and so I took to my phone and I just typed out almost all of the words to this whole song and then I went to bed and the next morning I woke up and I said okay now it's time to do it. And I sat down on my piano as soon as I got done making some coffee and, you know, and didn't, didn't leave until about 2.30 until I had like a demo mm-hmm. of, or like the, con, the loose concept of the song. That was one of those moments where I just found the title and I just wrote it out. Um, but as far as what I listened to in the meantime, I don't, I catch myself not listening to a whole lot of music as as of late. I'll listen to very specific songs or records or you know or uh things that friends of mine have done. Um but I find myself I I listen to podcasts, uh I'll go for long walks. Um you know or just whenever I'm sitting down on a piano or with the guitar and I start banging out a couple chords and Maybe the first words that come to mind steer me right into a song. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't come one way, you know? Yeah. Speaking of steering, I get a lot of uh, ideas while I'm driving, actually. Yeah? In the quiet? Do you? Is it when you're listening to music? or? I don't think it... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll listen to music or, or, you know, podcasts, or maybe I'll forget about music, but... Um, Mm. No, I just tend to like my eyes are very active when I'm driving and they're just looking around and just kind of looking at all the shapes and patterns and textures and, you know, um, objects. I mean, there's just so many interesting objects 
from a sculptural standpoint everywhere. So, you know, I might just see some interesting shape and think about how, how I can integrate that into a composition or, or how it would make me feel like if it were, you know, bigger or smaller, you know, what color. Um, I've been thinking about spirals a lot. Spirals are like, a, a, you know, one, one of the five symbols of nature or something like that. I think it's five. I think it's circle, square, triangle. Oh. There's like five symbols. I don't know. I, I wish I knew more. My grandma always told me about them. She even got me. Oh, symbols of life, maybe, is what they called them. Symbols of life. But, yeah. Yeah, so the spiral, man. And when I was up in Michigan, I, I was working for uh, a sculptor, Ray Katz, who, who does a lot of spirals. And um, it just really got, got me thinking about that shape and how how intertwined haha, it is with, like, nature and everything, you know, like DNA shape, you know, or how how, you know, things move in space or... You know, how you look at root systems and that kind of spiral. I mean, there's just these uh, sacred uh, symbols and shapes that, you know, I think all of um, man has ever recognized. I mean, all of man has recognized, you know, like symbolism and, and geometry and things like that. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to really too far from the geometry but I am going to integrate some more spirals with my balloon work mm. yeah I think you should ride that concept uh, mm -hmm. I, you know I was just thinking as you were talking about that it's like our you know DNA what constructs us are all spirals and then the root systems mm -hmm. uh, will work in spirals but then also Things of destruction, tornadoes, hurricanes, you know, winds that work in spirals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there. Oh, there's so much involved in that, and the five symbols of I mean, life. Look at water, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you said that was your grandmother that taught you that. Yeah, she uh, is an artist. Um, she actually studied sculpture too. But um, she taught ceramics at Delta State for a long time. Uh, is she still around? Mm-hmm. She's got coronavirus, unfortunately. Oh, man. But she's doing really well. Yeah, she's doing fine. She said she's doing really well, so she sounds good, you know. But actually, I think she has negative result now. So I think she's over it. Man, that's so great to hear. But she introduced me to a lot of... Uh, I guess my foundation. I don't want to. I don't want to say like taste, but you know, like my foundation and my. Um, I don't want to say style, but you know, the things that I like are the things that I notice, or the things that like have a lot of value to me. I feel like she like introduced me to a lot of those concepts. Yeah. Do you feel like she she taught you to be observant of all of these shapes and structures and and symbols? She she taught me a lot. I mean I mean I talk I talked to her a lot and uh you know, I've talked all of my ideas out with her, I'm sure. Um, you know, just trying to see what she thinks about it and, and 
she gives me feedback. She gives me really good feedback. Because when I first uh, did the whole balloon thing, I kind of was just looking at it from the standpoint of holding on. And then I talked to her about it, and she was like, well, maybe what if it... What if it's letting go? You know, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, no, but that, you know, she, she's just really thoughtful and, and really creative and um, always has been really responsive and, and helpful with my ideas, which is really great. I mean, I'm so lucky that I have somebody who... I can talk to about stuff like that, that I, you know, who knows me well enough to uh, understand what I'm saying when I'm trying to explain some abstract ass idea, you know? Wow. And what an amazing relationship to have with your grandmother. Uh, Not only is she years ahead of you in life experience and art experience, but she's also in your own family. I mean, what luck. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty lucky. Yeah, I'm pretty grateful. I'm pretty happy. Um, do you have somebody like that you can run ideas with? Uh, well, man, I've found since I've been in Athens, I really have I have people around me that I can run ideas uh, with a lot uh, as, of, as of late. I don't have anybody in my family. Uh, I'm always open to show, you know, my parents or my, my sister or, or, or brother-in-law, like I'll, I'll show them, uh, my new songs. Um, my, my brother-in-law is, is musical. Um, he, you know, he'll, he'll write songs and, and, uh, and guitar stuff when he's not, um, doing, when he's not coding, he's, he's more of a, uh, computer and, and tech person, but, the rest of my family, they're just, you know, they're just lovers of art and music. So, so they, uh, mm-hmm. they, they appreciate it. But my constructive criticism, uh, came, you know, a lot from, from Zach Lovett, uh, mm-hmm. um, who in, in Dandy and the Lions and in Young Valley, uh, we, he, he was the first person that really taught me how to write songs. Um, mm-hmm. so I will. Yeah. He's so good at it too. <laughs> He's so great at it. And I mean, man, you, you know, any any given week, uh, you know, one of his one of his songs or a little idea that he's shown me, you know, has popped into my head. And I'm like, man, how does he do it? You know, but it's it's years of experience, and he he's he's continued to improve over the years. But um, he really taught me everything that I that I knew up until a point, and um, I. I've been really grateful here in this community for the people who are, who can give me some insight on like, you know, just for somebody who I appreciate their uh, knowledge of songwriting for them to go, Oh, this is awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, when when you're continually like, I don't know, I don't know if this ain't good. I don't think it should be on a record or, you know, you know I mean? It's like before you ever show anybody, you sit there and be like, Oh yeah, here's this thing. I don't know about it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah for sure. I look at stuff for way too long before I show anybody. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's cool, man. I'm really happy you got that in Athens, and mm-hmm. um, and I'm really happy, you know, that you had that with Zach. That's 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 awesome. But uh, 
I mean, we both just moved, you know, I guess, or you just moved, like, what, a month ago or two months ago? It's been... This year's been flying by. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, it. it's funny how it feels like forever ago since we were able to communicate in, in regular, normal ways, but the year really has flown by. Um, but yeah, it's been mm-hmm. about th- a little over three months since I've been here in mm-hmm. Athens. Um, I've been traveling a little bit uh, here and there as well, picking up some things. I helped I helped produce a record, and uh, and I filled in on drums for a Athens band called Future Birds. You know, so I was I kind of jumped out. Yeah, I jumped out of town a little bit, but yeah, for the most part, I've been here about three months. That's exciting. I got to come down there, but uh, I'm hoping that you know, Clark, I'm I'm pretty sure Clarksdale is gonna gonna be that for me too. You know, uh, there's a lot of, seems like the community is really strong here. Everybody knows each other by name. There's a lot of uh, very active artists and and people doing stuff. Um, And it's kind of, it's pretty serendipitous too at the same time for me because uh, I'm moving over into the collective or I I have moved over. I'm getting settled in. And my roommate is going to be my old professor at, Delta State, my sculpture professor from Delta State. And wow. so that's really fun, you know. So he taught me there and he's been really encouraging and, and really, you know, bringing a good energy and we're sharing a shop there and, you know, we're talking about making some sculptures, some installation, doing some projects around Clarksdale and there's a lot going on here, man. You know, all the music and history here. And this giant blue heron is flying right by me right now. It's just majestic. <laughs> that, wow. was, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but also, another crazy thing, um, Robin Litfield is an artist uh, from Grenada, out of Grenada, Mississippi. And when I was a kid, she was my grand grandma's student. And um, now she's just, you know, fantastic painter. She goes out into a canoe and does a lot of... Um, painting in swamps around and uh, they're just gorgeous paintings. Sometimes she uses materials like clays and uh, algae and stuff like that that she finds as color. And uh, it's funny, I just came to sit over here at the river and I just see, I see her over there drawing on a big dead tree that's going to become a canoe. So <laughs> She's across the river. I'm look, looking at it right now. Wow. It's pretty cool. Wow. You know, I haven't spent a lot of time in Clarksdale. Um, you know, I, I tell people just like we were talking about the little creative hub of Cleveland um, mm-hmm. that you would be surprised how much really goes on in those little pockets in the Delta. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I spent one night in, in Greenwood. Uh, Schaefer and I played at the... Um, at the Turnrow Bookstore. Turnrow, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we went to Scott Beretta's house, uh, who who hosts the uh, the the uh, it's the Blues um, Hour. Blues hour. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. And we went over to his house, and I was like, "What a cool, creative, collective group of people!" And even somebody who grew up in Mississippi was just really. Um, surprised by the by the creative force that's within these small delta towns Mm -hmm. 
I agree, man. A hundred percent. It's uh, and, and it's like crazy, crazy to think about the talent and the and and the knowledge and you know just ability of so many people around here and passion. And I think like what I'd love to see is like more people traveling for, you know, uh, events. Well, I mean, you know, obviously when coronavirus chills out, but you know, uh, when I was in Detroit, you know, it was like 45 minutes to go somewhere. So like, yeah, if there's a gallery opening, I'm going to drive that 45 minutes. But you know, if Cleveland has an art show, people from Oxford aren't going to come over, you know, or vice versa. So, I mean, you know, I'd love to see like Jackson and, and the Jackson area and, you know, Cleveland area and everybody just like being more uh, supportive of each other. You know, I think Mississippi just all over just has so much talent. You know, I'm just happy to be uh, even recognized by my peers, you know, who, who, who create stuff too. But hey, did you meet a guy named Dan Splangard over there in Greenwood? I certainly did. Yeah, the guy, I met him uh, last uh, week or so. He, uh, at an event, Robin Whitfield, who I just mentioned, was hosting over in Grenada. But he's real active down in Greenwood, too, and he was telling me about the scene down there. Yeah, he was one of the guys that was at Scott's house that night. Um, and uh, I actually met him. He came to this house show um, that uh, me and my friend uh, Justin Peter Kinkelschuster did uh, in Columbus, Mississippi. And he happened to be there. Yeah, he was. Um, and he gave me, he sent me, a, a a three packet of these little tiny notebooks that he would make for himself. And it was just, you know, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, like a, a couple inches, like maybe three inches tall. Uh, and he, he sent me these, these little notebooks that I would carry around. And, um, when I was working, my liquor store job back in Jackson, I would, you know, I'd, I'd have that to like write down ideas while I was on the clock. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very interesting guy. Very, um, he has a mind for innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like his energy. He's, he was a cool guy. Yeah. Um, he, he was telling me about a program, uh, architecture program down in Alabama. That, that sounds pretty cool. He wanted take me down there for a visit but uh yeah man i mean you know just there's so many creative people here and interesting people here that um i just think you know have to be united in some way or another and it's just going to take a little bit of driving on some people's parts but i'm no stranger driving you know i don't mind driving around the state and 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 doing uh you know fun um community art stuff yeah, I agree. And uh, so much of those drives are are worth it. Oh yeah, especially if you can, you know, get some friends to come too. You know, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Make a trip out of it. Yeah, now uh, some sculpture gardens along the way. I would say that uh, I agree with you about like Oxford and you know Clarksdale and Cleveland and Greenwood. Like a lot of these towns should be. Uh, mingling more um and even connecting to jackson because i mean jackson to cleveland is not even two hours away um mm-hmm. and uh, i think 
it's it's every bit worth it to to have all of these towns connect more artistically. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. again, this is this is uh, in a place when we have more control over the the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, I would certainly like to see that. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, it's a lot easier said than done. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not, I don't want to sound, I want to sound like I think like it's just like, oh, everybody participate. You know, I know everybody's got to make money. I know everybody's got to have events, you know, uh, or, or, you know, not step on toes. But, you know, I, I think people could definitely make, put a little bit more effort into, uh, into, uh, sharing the, uh, I don't know, the, the, the community, sharing, sharing art with each other. Um, I thought that's why I thought 606 was a lot of fun, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. It was just like 606 was, uh, you know, friends playing shows and then, and then it started to be friends booking, like, you know, pretty cool shows too. Yeah. Just to shed some light on the 606, it's a it, 606 Court Street, right? It was Court Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Court. Yeah, Court Street in Cleveland, Mississippi. Um, where they did a lot of house shows and, uh, I did one maybe like April of last year. Uh, yeah, a couple months before I released my record and I thought the floor was going to cave in. It was, Mm -hmm. I, I just hadn't experienced anything like it, but, um, Mm -hmm. it is a, that was an amazing space that just continued to give. It, it was like, regardless of who was living there, it, it was like understood that whatever roommates were living there, that like we're putting on shows and we're keeping this thing rolling. Um, man, I miss Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that, I mean, 606 not a thing anymore and I don't think there's a, any plans. I mean, especially with, you know, the not really being able to have shows, but, yeah. um, I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on around there. And I mean, you know, just met, it was just such a great place to meet so many cool and interesting and inspiring people, you know, like all the musicians and all the artists there. I mean, talented, you know, you look at somebody like Pete Horn, you know, and his ability to paint, like, you know, so many talented artists around. Yeah, I mean it's just amazing to think about like Reed and and Schaefer and um, mm-hmm. and and Zach and Boris Darling, yeah. Boris, yeah, all of them, yeah. So so many to name. Just to think about all the different kinds of bands that they had seen in in our small little town. Uh, it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. So you know. Big shout out to six oh six and Hey Joe's and 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 every place that continues to to uh to keep art alive in the Mississippi Delta. Um Lawson, I've been wrapping up all of my uh episodes with with three questions that I've been asking universally. Um and so I wanted to ask you, first of all, to describe your last feeling of success. And what it was for? Oh, <laughs> well, that one was recent. Um, 
Well, just, yeah, hearing myself on the radio um, on the uh, anniversary of my dad's death was uh, made me feel really good. I mean, it made me feel, uh, I guess, a success, which I, you know, really don't think is like a a common thing, you know. Um, when I think about everything that I've done, you know, whatever, my accolades or whatever, it, it's not like, I don't know, they, they almost just forget about them, you know? Yeah. Um, so to have moments like that are really, really nice. Um, but one thing, I'm going to say this really quick, so I think you might find this interesting. But one thing I do, like, is I think about, like, little kid myself, you know? what would, How would little kid Lawson feel about Lawson now? And I think, like, man, little kid Lawson would never believe half of the things that I've been able to be a part of, you know? Um, so, you know, I just try to remind myself, you know, that I'm in the, going in the right direction with that thought. Oh, man, that's so great. Yeah, little kid Lawson will be like, when I grow up, I'm going to be doing my art, and I'm going to talk about it on the radio. <laughs> Hell yeah. And you did. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I think I think Larry Larry Morrissey is really is a really great guy. He's a great interviewer. Um, yeah, yeah, he was. He was nice. Yeah, I really appreciate um, MPB. What do you think is the most difficult part about your industry that people outside of it might not understand? Hmm. I think uh, a lot of people don't understand how hard it is to make something look effortless or to make something look clean. People don't know how hard it is to make a simple, clean base for a sculpture, you know, with, with your hookups on the inside so that they're hidden. You know, it's like the details I think most people don't recognize. Um, or logistics of how things are made, but you know, I think that that when you do when you do know stuff like that, it kind of takes could take the magic out of it because you kind of are just analyzing like, oh, how is this made, rather than like enjoying the art. Making stuff is uh it's hard, and I think people don't realize that. <laughs> oh, making something look effortless. I think that's really eloquently put. When I saw one of your videos and I saw you, you were shaving down a, a piece of steel. Uh, that may not even be the proper terminology, but I s- saw y'all haul that uh, the Broken Arrow sculpture, which is eight feet tall, um, to right there in, in downtown Cleveland. You know, there's so much about that because I have no concept of how you made that. It really, It is magic to me, but... I don't think I necessarily agree with the idea that once you know more details, sure, you know how it works and and maybe it doesn't seem so um, mysterious to you, which is, I think, part of magic is because there's a lot that you don't understand about it. Mm -hmm. But I I feel like for me as a a songwriter, uh, the further I dig in, the further I, I learn my craft and then I listen to somebody who's really good, I go, well, hot damn, you know, 
I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> just because, yeah. because I think, because I know the effort that it takes yeah. to make it sound effortless. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. It almost becomes yeah. more magical yeah. in some ways. It is totally. Yeah. I love, I love when, uh, you know, I'll see something see something that really just puzzles me and like I, just, I have no clue how they made that you know mm. i love seeing something like that yeah because i feel like i could like look at a lot of stuff and figure out how it's made you know but i love when when you can't tell <laughs> okay last one i love this one um tell me about a mantra that you keep close to you where did you learn it and how does it personally apply I guess uh, I don't really know if this would be like more like a mantra, but I guess more so just like a way of thinking um, and reminding myself, or I guess just a way of thinking. Um, you know that I guess I don't want to be like one of those corny like power of now people, but you know, I mean, you know, just that now is the only real thing you have really and you know I just try to really make sure that if I'm ever in a position where I'm not happy like you know I feel like I can uh, find comfort in the the fact that you know I'm alive right now you know I'm breathing right now I'm healthy right now and I'm you know looking at beautiful trees right now you know there's I guess that um, maybe relevant uh, to your question, um, and you know, not to harp on the past or not to worry about the future. You know, that kind of thing is really um, something I try to try to live. You know, pre- in the present time. Yeah. Um, and there's another one that I remember learning in in uh, college when I was in psychology. There was the idea of uh, um, uh, the love of fate. Um, Nietzsche um, had this theory that was like, I may I may be a little off, but he had a theory like, if you you know had to live your same life over over and over for eternity, you know, uh, the only way to be happy is to accept and love your fate. Um, so yeah, I have a more fati, which is the Latin terminology um, tattooed on my chest because I loved it so much when I was in college. So maybe that's one. Wow. (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you have to accept and love your fate if you were to live your life over and over again. Mm. Yeah, no no need and worry or, uh, you know, like that yeah wow. that's really great well, man. Uh, and I love I, this is the reason that, that I love um, I've loved starting this podcast um, mm-hmm. and uh, finding a lot of parallels with the people that that I reach out to and um, mm-hmm. and also I you know I I, I get nervous before each one. This is the this is the sixth one that I've done, but I get nervous each time, and um, mm-hmm. you know, and I always think about the questions, and I'm like, you know, man, you just 
I, I have to stop thinking about like, what is the next question I want to ask? And then just really let, let the conversation go and, and flow its own way. And that mm-hmm. results in me grounding into the present. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's been a really lovely experience for me. And this has been so great. I have, um, Lawson, I have so much admiration for you as a, as a person and as an artist. And, and, and I was just thinking about the fact that I don't even remember a time when we weren't necessarily friends because I felt like uh, I met you and, and it was, we pretty easily became friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, that's I agree, and uh, and and likewise, I I share a lot of admiration for you and your work and your dedication and and uh, you know your hard work, and I I commend you on that and um, appreciate you for inspiring me too. And good luck with the podcast. Uh, I think you're you know really easy to talk to, and um, you know I enjoyed it. I love to catch up sometime. Yeah. Well, I will definitely let you know. I feel like I can't go to Mississippi without going back to Cleveland again. I just come through. I know mm-hmm. I gotta come through. I'll come through. Well, well, um, just just so you know, I'll I'll uh, always have a space for you out here in Athens. Make sure that you're comfortable. So if you ever get a Thank wild you, hair and you're looking for a change of scenery, you can always holler at your boy. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, thank you so much, Lawson. Yeah, man. I'll talk to you soon. Lawson King, everyone. Lawson King. Make sure you remember that name, because you're going to be walking around in a sculpture garden somewhere halfway across the world and say, Lawson King, I know that name. Thank you so much, buddy. Lawson, M-A-Y-N-E, Lawson, Maine. That is the name that you will find on Instagram, and you will be able to discover some of his other work and maybe watch some of his interviews And you can learn more about the work that he's put out so far. This is Artworks, and the intro and outro music is brought to you by Mr. Kel Kellum from his album called Adding to the Ashes, which you can buy off of Bandcamp or stream on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, I don't know, all those other ones. The Artworks... Artwork is brought to you by Mr. Cody Rogers. Thank you so much, Cody Rogers. And again, if you're interested in any of my musical endeavors, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Bandcamp, and on YouTube, all under Spencer Thomas Songs. And once again, thank you so much for listening to Artworks. Please review this podcast on your favorite streaming platform and let's shoot it all the way up to the top of the search bar. Remember, everyone, be like a kid. Use the paintbrush. Use the colored pencil. Create art. 
for art's sake. Mucho love, respect and gratitude. See ya.